0: Hey, welcome to Scratching the Surface. I'm Jared Fuller, and this is a podcast about education and inquiry. Today on the show, I am joined by the designer, educator, photographer, and artist, Margot Halverson. Margot is a professor and the chair of the graphic design department at Maine College of Art, and is the co-founder of Design Inquiry, a sort of amorphous collective that's been mentioned on the show a few times before. Uh, most recently, I think, in the conversations with Mary Bannis and Lucy Hitchcock, that is kind of centered around ideas of disciplinary discourse, expanded practice, and design research. In this episode, Margot and I talk about design inquiry, and, and we talk about the sort of... Um, I describe it as these kind of utopian ideals where they are really interested in getting people together on this remote island up in Maine to live and work together for a week around specific themes or topics or issues related to design practice. We also talk about her background as a photographer and how her interest in books and typesetting led her into a career as a graphic designer. We talk about why she loves teaching and how her personal and professional work start to intersect and interact. This is a really great conversation, one that I found really inspiring and, and uplifting. I find the mission of design inquiry so aligned to my interests with this podcast in many ways, and I feel that they are actually putting these ideas into practice. So it was so great to learn about how they think about doing that. If you're a fan of the podcast and want to help support it, you can become a member for $5 a month or $50 a year. Members get an exclusive monthly newsletter that features behind-the-scenes content, links and articles from former guests about design and writing and criticism, as well as previews of the upcoming episodes. Scratching the Surface is fully supported through these memberships. So if you like the show, if you want to see it continue, if you want to help with its ongoing production, I hope that you would consider joining and enjoy this episode with Margot Halverson. originally studied photography. Um, both. Did you get a, an, your MFA in photography also?
1: Yes, I did.
0: So where did that interest come from? Or what was it about photography that kind of uh, uh, got you excited when you were uh, a teenager thinking about college?
1: Uh, well, I thought I was going to be an art major, you know, typical <laughs> painting, printmaking. Um, and then I realized when I took my first photography class in order to Document my paintings. I liked mm. photography much better. Mm. I had, uh, Carson Graves was there at Arizona State, and then I um, taught as kind of an assistant at Maine Photographic Workshops at the time, which is interesting. I'm back in Maine mm. um, from Arizona, but photo- I was I was that kid in high school that had yes a um, instamatic camera with the flash cubes <laughs> mm-hmm. at all times in my locker, photographing like random hallway, whatever. I, I, I like to document. I'm just, mm. you know, it's obviously from my work and it's come around again, yeah. but um, I'm always photographing and I'm not sure if that's out of a fear of losing something or simply a fear of, a, or not a fear, but a, a moment of observing or mm. it's just habit. I don't mm-hmm. think it's a nervous tick. It's, I'm interested in just looking, watching, and that's never, ever gone away. And so when I found photography in my undergrad at Arizona State, I just was, that's it. I'm done. I'm in.
0: And did you have a sense of, I, this is going to sound really reductive and I apologize, but did you have a sense of a career of what it meant to be a photographer, of what what kind of life you wanted as a photographer. You know what I mean?
1: Yes. I knew that I did not want to be a commercial photographer. Okay. Yeah. I did not want to work with studio setups and lighting. And um, so I knew I was going, I wanted to be a fine art photographer. And then towards the end of my um, undergrad, I started making books, limited edition, Mm hand-bound, tipped in cyanotypes or Van Dykes or gum biker make prints. Mm -hmm. And then um, that led me to letterpress printing. Mm. And so I was doing some letterpress printing in undergrad with John Rousseau at Arizona State um, and then took, I think maybe a year off, went back to grad school with this idea of um, bookmaking specifically. Mm.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And then ended up, you know, as you do, things change, working in four by five, um, black and white, but I documented my hometown in North Dakota. Um, I grew up mm. in this town of 150 in oh, North wow. Dakota uh, in Red River Valley, and I thought this is a, you know, when you leave, you're young, you leave college, you think where you grew up, you you realize it was a special place, and not everybody had the life I did.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Coming from a, mm-hmm. you know, graduating class of 41 to a <laughs> At the time, Arizona State of about, at that time, about 46,000 people, Mm. and my town could have fit in my Psych 101 class like (laughs) five
2: times over. Right.
1: I thought, oh, this is a project. So I concentrated on book bookmaking, um, four by five in my master's work.
0: I, I could easily spend this whole conversation talking to you about photography. This is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not sure I, I've ever actually like talked about this on the podcast before. But I actually was interested in photography before I was interested in graphic design. I got interested mm-hmm. in graphic design when I was uh, about 14 or 15 years old. This was the early 2000s. And so this was kind of right at the the height of the kind of immigrant era. And this was right mm-hmm. when design observer and blogs were, were starting. And I grew up in a suburban uh, town in Pennsylvania where I had never met a graphic designer before. And somehow I stumbled upon these blogs and just completely was like, Oh, this is uh, you know, this is it for me. This is a, everything that I'm interested in. But right before that moment, my parents had gotten their first digital camera and it was like a, mm-hmm. It was like a, a, like three megapixel, like Kodak. And I just completely like took that over from the family, mm-hmm. um, you know, as a 13 year old and took photographs all the time, kind of like what you were talking about, just documenting things. And I was not, right. um, this was not like with my friends or, or, you know, with family, even it was just like, you know, a tree, <laughs> this building, it was, it was like, a. um, you know snapshots of just of sure. just the world yeah. um and i still do that and i still always have a camera with me and photography has been this hobby that is now going on 20 years old that Only in the last couple of years, I've started to kind of think about seriously of why do I do this? Where does this come from? I never once thought about making it a career. I -hmm. knew I wasn't interested in commercial photography or portraits or anything like that. It was always just this kind of thing uh, that was happening on the side. And as I reflect back, I think about it as another gateway for me into graphic design and thinking about Mm -hmm. imagery and and communication. And it sounds like it was actually kind of similar for you that from photography, you were making these, these books and letterpress, it sounds like we're in design at that point. Yeah,
1: exactly. And, uh, I have a funny story about that. So when, um, let me think. So then I I graduated with an MFA and I was teaching photography at Scottsdale Community College. And I went Mm. to a Friends of Photography workshop in, uh, California. And I had my, you know, light impressions, portfolio box of all my books. And um, I met Katie Homans, who is a, hmm. you know, Kate. she's Katie Homans, book designer. <laughs> but she was there reviewing photography. Um, hmm. I'm not sure why she was there. Maybe it was the topic was book design. And I showed her my, you know, hand-bound cloth, letterpress stamped, you know, my books and and we had a really wonderful conversation and I said to her, she said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, a couple of things I want to teach, mm-hmm. but I also want to do this. I want to make books like this, but for other people, mm-hmm. uh, I want to not use my own photography and not use my own words. And I'll never forget. She shut my portfolio case and she said, well, that's called graphic design. <laughs> And I said, really? And she said, you're in Arizona, right? And I said, yeah, you know, and I'm teaching at a community college. she said, well, Rob Roy Kelly teaches at Arizona Mm.
2: State. And she
1: said, go talk to Rob um, and learn about graphic design. And so that's what I did. I talked to Rob and I had my light impressions box and said, I want to learn about Rubyleth and stuff. I don't Mm -hmm. know what I want to learn, but I want to learn – of course, I would had my MFA, you know, and I thought, I, I don't need to take more classes in art. I just just tell me how to make this. It's not letter pro- how to get words on a page and images on a page.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he said, well, what are you doing during the day? Uh, <laughs> I said, well, I'm working on my work. I'm teaching night classes. He said, OK, take our program for the next three years and you'll learn about theory. You'll learn about form. You'll learn about what design is and can be.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: and at that so time you,
1: I shrugged and said okay
0: and so you went through that program then with him
1: yes I did yeah
0: can I have two questions uh about that which I think it, I I love that story by the mm-hmm.
1: way I know. Um, it cracks me up to this day so went with my students I'm just like you know you just throw down one question and to the yeah. right person, and there you go
0: Yeah, Uh, when she said that's graphic design, you want to be a graphic designer. Was that a term you had heard before? What? No. What was your relationship to it? Okay.
1: No, this is uh, you know, I'm I'm happy to date myself, but this is like uh, the late '80s. Okay. And so this was. uh, I might have had a Mac Lisa, you know, or
2: something
1: brother or something, but no, this was not, I didn't know what it was. Oh, well, no, that's not true. That's not true. Sorry. I'm forgetting. Scratch that. It was, uh, we had a graphic design program at Arizona State. Mm. And I remember I published a book of these these, uh, photographs from my hometown. um, But I had a friend who was in the graphic design program. Mm. I totally forgot. Um she laid out the book and when she laid it out she said how do you how do you want it you know or we talked about it as you do and I said I don't know I don't know anything about this just make it look like there's a white mat around every photograph that's all I know. Yeah. And I have another funny story I went to John Rousseau and I said uh I want to uh help me pick a typeface. She asked me what typeface and He said, "Do you want a serif or a sans serif?" And I said, "Oh, I don't know what you mean. Is there anything in between?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> and he said, "Optima." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. That's what I was going to say.
1: Oh my god, my book is is is
0: uh, used so it. Up. it did you so use I Optima?
1: It. I did.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love it. I that. love it
1: too. And when I came here to uh, interview for my main college of art job, I had to say, uh, I had to tell the story about Optima. Uh, just so I wasn't too busted.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So when you, so then you you, you meet with with Rob and you you end up going through that program.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Were you was that like yeah this is what I have wanted to do this actually is the I am like making books for other people and not using my own imagery. Did it all kind of make sense to you and feel right?
1: Yes, it did. The typography and the letter form design felt right. Mm. You know, because we were, um, it's still a program that was kind of a a Basel descendant.
0: Okay. So
1: I, you know, I had my ruling pen and placa and worked on a uppercase R for (laughs) four months. Right. Whatever. And um, I loved all of that. I loved, I loved the typography and the, um, and the, and the, letterform design, but I was not, I knew I was not good at or interested in at the time it was uh, any kind of imagery was kind of a, you know, a bit of a West coast, um, mm, mm-hmm. Jim cross kind of, uh, you marry these two, you know, images together and they make the third thing.
2: Oh, and right, it was right.
1: Getting a little bit illustrative. Mm hmm. And I didn't really understand that or want to go into that. I really liked strict kind of information, editorial mm. organization. I mean, but this is still stat camera, you know.
2: Right. I mean, right.
1: But but then what I would do is make my posters with the with the castoffs in the box next to the stat camera that everybody left. Yeah. You know that to me was photography and how to use the machine. So. I came from this other art kind of background, kind of the what if background, not the mm-hmm. what is, and this is the right way, which was still a little bit of that. Well, okay, a lot.
0: Can you talk more about that? Because that was that literally was what my next question was going to be, kind of coming from this more fine art background. Right. And I admit to not knowing too much about what design programs were like or kind of how they were structured uh-huh. at that time, but I imagine that they were much more commercial driven. Right. Um, how did those sync up for you? Uh, do, were you able to kind of keep both sides—that kind of fine art—and also the <laughs> this has to do something.
1: Uh, I, ha- I had to keep them really separated, mm. and that didn't feel comfortable.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I even after I graduated, actually I didn't graduate. I couldn't get a second BFA from the same institution, so
0: um,
1: um. I kind of love that I have no degree in graphic design. Right. <laughs> I went through the program, I said for the registrar and she said, no, I can't do that. You have to take some more science classes for a BS. And I said, ah, talk about <laughs> BS. I'm I was going
0: to say, in all the research I had done, I didn't see anywhere that you had studied graphic design. So I was like, yeah. how did I miss this? That's I know.
1: why. I know, exactly. I did it. It's just kind of a uh, secret.
2: Right.
0: So
1: That's great. at the time then, then, I worked in Phoenix for a while at a, at a design studio. It was more of a design studio, I think, than an ad agency. And I wanted to learn about the business, the parts that you Mm -hmm. don't get in school. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then I went back to teach at Arizona State. And I had a a job that was sort of half in photography and half in graphic design. And I taught the workshop that was professional work. Mm. Um, And it it was okay. I liked it. It all was fine. But then I was still trying to figure out where is my work in this. Right. And uh, so I started to apply for other jobs outside of... I didn't want to teach at a university. I wanted to teach at an art school. I wanted to teach somewhere where that I could continue to Mm. build um, these bridges. And hence, Maine College of Art. And this was in nineteen ninety.
0: I wanna, I wanna go back. I, I, I have like tons of questions around teaching for you, but I wanna, I wanna go back to to two things that you said earlier, just to kind of connect it to the teaching, because you had mentioned when you were studying photography that you were teaching a couple like photo workshops or something, and then mm-hmm. after your MFA or during your MFA, then you were kind of you were teaching. Mm -hmm. photography then. And then you told Rob Roy Kelly that you wanted to teach. And so teaching sounds like it was also an interest of yours from the beginning. Um, Where did that interest come from? Or what was it about teaching that was interesting to you?
1: Well, somebody said this one time, I don't remember who, and early on was, um, when you teach, you get to talk about the thing you love all the time. (laughs) Right. And I just, that has always stuck with me. And I knew, I thought that I was going to be teaching photography. And then I found this other thing that seemed to encompass photography. And it's much broader. And it's all of a sudden now it's words on a page and language and photography and images and sequence. And it just was like, oh my God, I've hit, you know, the jackpot, the circus is all right there with graphic design. So I thought I wanna, I wanna teach that. I get to talk about it all day.
0: I love that. That yeah. I've never heard that before. But that's exactly when I started teaching. I I started teaching at this weird kind of crossroads. It was while I was in grad school, and it was this kind of weird mm-hmm. crossroads of kind of wondering if I even still wanted to be a designer, or and trying to figure out what it was about design that I was interested in. And uh, I had uh, the privilege of of micah letting me teach a class in the undergrad program while i was a graduate student and it completely made me fall in love with design all Mm -hmm. over again um and that's exactly why because like being able to just talk about it in this setting uh with a bunch of people is, is like actually the thing that i really like um And so I love that. I've never heard that before, but I love that. (laughs) I love that definition of teaching. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it works. Um, Can I, I want to, this is kind of jumping around a little bit, but Mm -hmm. I want to, I asked you earlier about that kind of the balance or the intersection between the kind of personal work or the fine art work or kind of finding you in the work Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, with the kind of commercial demands. And it sounds like teaching was a way that you could kind of have both of those a little bit. Mm -hmm. And something that struck me about looking at your work, looking at your website, your personal website, especially, where it's just this kind of collage of photos and writing and all of it kind of just like blending together and interacting Mm -hmm. with each other, that Now you seem like somebody that has a robust teaching practice, commercial practice and personal practice, and they all seem uh, both independent, but it also seems like they're influencing each other. And I'm curious kind of how you think about that today, now that you've, you know, you've had, what, 30 years of of Mm -hmm. teaching, Mm -hmm. 30 years of professional practice, and this, this kind of other more fine art work. how do these all talk to each other for you?
1: Well, they totally feed each other on the levels of, you know, the soul, Mm -hmm. as well as the finances, (laughs) as well as the time management. So we have whatever, all the layers of, I was going to say hell, but all all those layers kind of can come together. Mm -hmm. And also they've kind of um, seesawed, you know. Mm. This would be a great, actually, this would be a project, a nice little graph to make of these these questions.
2: Um, mm.
1: The I, I think they're all about learning how to ask the right question. You know, always, mm. as you were talking, and I'm thinking about teaching, and I'm thinking about how even sitting down with a student who can't decide what to major in, for example.
2: Mm-hmm. I can
1: see their work in graphic design, and I can see their work in whatever photography illustration and i te- and i tell them it's not about what decision are you going to make it's how are you going to ask yourself the right question to help yourself with the decision hmm. i think every project is like that you know every every student project is how to reframe the question Right. You know, the question is not how to design a poster, but it's what is the you know you know you, you reframe the question, and I think I do that constantly with my own work. Um. And right. I was just thinking, even in this time of transition, as 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 I'm in, I have a sabbatical this semester. The future perspective mm. design inquiry exhibition just came down yesterday, and that's been a two and a half year project. Right. Slash, twenty year. <laughs> and then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, um, how do you blend all of these I I think I learned the most one moment actually I was still in Arizona and I had a teacher, a graphic design teacher saying I want you to make graphic design about your work and I honestly could not blend them and then I had a realization why? why do they have to be? who cares? just stay busy and engaged and love it and which is actually a new mantra for my teaching too is like you have to love your work at the end right right um you have to want to put it on the fridge with a magnet
2: yeah yeah
1: or um i think i've lost your question now
2: no no
0: i mean you're you're still you're still kind of on the thread that i was thinking about which is Mm -hmm. how if at all do these different practices interact with each other or talk to each other or influence each other. And, you know, I've, I'm asking the question, you know, purely selfishly as someone who right. seems to be constantly busy with teaching and, mm-hmm. um, and kind of client work that I feel like that kind of personal work or the, the, the more kind of fine art uh, conceptual, whatever you want to call it, that design work has been, has taken a back seat for the last couple of years and I'm trying to bring that back. And how do all of those things, can they all live separately or do, how do they influence each other? It's just something that's on my mind and you're someone who seems right. like you're doing all of them all the time. <laughs> I kind of want to yeah. know how you do it.
1: Yeah. And I think I'm doing them all, all, all the time because I don't ask that question anymore. Right. You know, I don't care. I, tr- I totally now, trust that what gets done is where I'm at, where my influences are and my curiosity is and where you spend your time is, is what you're interested in. Yeah. And that's just enough for me to trust that.
0: Can I ask the question in a different way, or maybe, maybe it's a a kind of sub question. You know, thinking about your own background and thinking about this, this, personal fine art with with the commercial. And I don't mean to keep making these delineations sound so strict, mm-hmm. um, but that's something that I run into with my own students a lot, where I'm always encouraging students to kind of bring more of themselves in, more of their background, more of their stories into the work.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And and there's always a group of students who are very resistant to that because they think that it will somehow prevent them from getting a job, that that, that everything needs to be commercial, everything needs to be polished, everything needs to be branded and packaged for the portfolio because they are thinking about what comes next. And I don't know how to balance that. In the classroom, because I get it, and I know that they're spending a lot of money. I spent a lot of money to go to school, at you know, hoping to get a job. How do you think about that with your students, or how do you kind of talk about that uh, in the classroom as students are kind of thinking about these things?
1: Well, I tell them they're getting hired for number one, who you are when you sit down mm-hmm. in the chair, and what do you give, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of your personality and how giving are you of your talents. Um, around a table. Is, right. But I also tell them that and what we, we we blend all of these projects, you know, and in possibly not my most um the moments I'm not the most proud of, I'll tell them you can you can learn about uh, you know, line length and kerning and um, how to build a really beautiful margin width. You, you know, take Coursera, take, do something yeah. else. But yeah. you're paying a tuition so that I can help you find how what your relationship with form is, right? And how do you express ideas? At the same time, given my you know modernist, you know, <laughs> with the lineage,
2: mm-hmm. I
1: understand the the quality of good composition and form. I teach. I teach at at Maine College of Art, two um, D design, which I love. Mm-hmm. To all majors or they haven't even majored yet um and that's basic figure ground and color theory and i love it I love, love like
0: it. a like a freshman kind of foundation class yeah, okay totally. yeah and
1: i really like that but i'm constantly saying why this is important as well you know right. why they need to learn this um, because it's a required class it's not always their favorite but we we try to make it their favorite yeah and then I teach the 101 and 102 intro to typography and intro to design. And those classes, mostly what I focus on is what can graphic design be? And mm-hmm. even these days I talk to them about, you know, in four years, the software is going to be different, right. but what we're going to try to learn is how, how to think. again, right. how to ask the correct, the right questions so that you can make the tools, which is the process to get you someplace that is going to inspire somebody to care about what you've put in front of them. Right. That's your job. Right. That's it. And so I might have, I, I really love our, our student population. We're kind of uh, rough and tumble here at Mecca mm. and <laughs> okay. they're they're with me, you know, and I talked to them from day one about how do you take advantage of an art school, mm. you know, but then when you get the seniors and all they do want to do is maybe, um, buying bind books and print and make printmaking.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Then we we look at their full portfolio and say, okay, so what what kind of work do you want to do, and how do you maybe need to, you know, emphasize? Right. Don't lose doing it. Just repackage.
0: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you
1: got to stay alive. Nobody wants that if, if it's not.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, I like that. Um, that. That is actually a nice way to kind of connect it to Design Inquiry a little bit about, mm-hmm. you know, kind of teaching how to think or, or thinking about how to think um, right. as, as a designer. And, and Design Inquiry is obviously um, a big part of what I wanted to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to ask you a question that's a horrible question <laughs> to start I Um it because i uh i read the the essay that lucy posted on design observer uh that design observer published about uh about design inquiry and, and they opened the piece um saying if you ask five people what design inquiry is you're going to get five different answers um and in an interview that Stephen heller did i think with you um about, or, or I guess it was, it was unnamed. He did it just with design inquiry. Mm-hmm. Um, he referred to it as a think tank, which I thought was interesting. Uh, and right. you kind of push back on that a little bit. Um, and I have some sense of what it is, but I can't really put that into words. And so my question is what is design inquiry?
1: <laughs> I know we love that you can't put it into words. So that's yeah. one answer.
2: Okay. <laughs> okay.
1: It's about it's what it, whoever shows up, that's what it becomes. However, we can I can get a little more specific than that. It's a it's a gathering of like minds mm-hmm. to do work around a particular topic. That we we be now we're a five hundred one c three right um, since the I think around two thousand four five I can't remember. Um, we do work that we figure is kind of urgent and timely. Mm -hmm. Um, But they're really broad, open topics. And so people bring what they want to it and they use the other participants um, anywhere from 12 to 24 uh, who live together, work together, cook together, um, flat hierarchy.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So it's kind of like we're in that hallway at the hotel having the best conversation.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: Um, And so people come together to, I think. I really think it's mostly about like minds because it's not easy Mm. uh, to go to an island off the coast of Maine to get there, (laughs) to say, oh, sure, I'll stay a week in a barn making work (laughs) with no internet with people I don't even know. Yeah. Um, And... That's what it is. It's jumping off a cliff, taking a risk, probably because you're looking for something. But then we also kind of uh, build the the stage so that people can give as much as they get. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I really defined it, except that it is, we've called it a working symposium, a uh, hands-on think tank. Um, We're not AIGA. We are a flexible group of collaborators interested in sharing our expertise and getting back from others. It's an equal exchange. Right, right. One of our topics was no quo, unequal exchange. We investigated that topic. That was interesting.
0: Can, I I feel like something like that and like you're describing uh, can either be something that's really successful uh and and i I don't mean successful in um you know produces a lot of great work makes a lot of money famous whatever but i mean successful in fostering conversation bringing people together uh people leave feeling like they have more than when they arrived um or it could just go completely off the rails uh because it's so open you know because it's all these different people coming coming together to this island that that has no no internet um and there's something interesting that that's happening in that it didn't go that way that it did really become this forgive the word magical time for the people right. Who have been there, and I, I've I have not been to one, but everyone I've talked to have been, you know, just speak so highly and and uh, how transformative that time was. Can you can you talk about? I, I, I guess I want to try to understand how you how, how you kind of were able to pull that off. <laughs> um, can you talk about how it started and kind of where even the idea for something like this came from?
1: Sure, sure. let me let me I'll, I'll get back to that. But as you're talking, I'm thinking. Um, It takes a lot of practice to make that happen. Mm. It is The outcomes are magical, the outcomes being the the connections, the work, the mind exploding, Mm -hmm. didn't know I could do this Mm
2: -hmm.
1: kind of work happens, but um, it's by design. And we even have uh, secretly, only not so secret anymore, we being the board and people who have – been on the board we take turns being the framers of each program and we're always cautious of what we call Tuesday Freakout day
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's freak out day Tuesday's a day everybody says well, what are we doing why am I here and I can't believe I'm you know and it's every we know exactly what to do you know right. we know exactly that by Wednesday noon this is all going to shift we don't tell them that you know people that of course is mm-hmm. we're like oh we're Tuesday freak out day so, it's we really set the stage for these things to happen, which takes a lot of work and experience. We're now in our uh, uh, let's see, we had the first program was 2004 here in Portland, Maine, two of them
2: mm-hmm.
1: used to be connected to Maine College of Art. But previous to that, when I moved from Arizona to Portland, Maine, um, I took the job teaching graphic design, but I also uh, took the job because they wanted me, uh, as part of this hire, to have this summer institute of graphic design, mm. um, and that's because they had already connected with Rudy DeHerrick, Jim Cross, and Bruno Manguzzi for the first summer. Okay. And I and they each taught a week, and it was very teacher student. And I said, Yeah, okay, I'll do that because I was. I was, I was kind of freaking out, like, oh my God, I'm leaving, you know, Phoenix, LA, all of my connections and going to Portland, Maine. If I build this program, then I get to have, what is it? What is it? The term, the mountain come to me instead of going to the oh, mountain.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. I said, sure. Okay. I'll do that. Um, and then after the first year I said, however, I want to invite my own faculty. We can't have, no, hmm. we need some, I, I, I want to be to invite. And, Between the time of Arizona State and Maine College of Art, I did the Brasago program in uh, Brasago, Switzerland, the Yale program. Um, Again, because I probably felt like I had an imposter syndrome or something, but I need some more. I need some more Yale kind of education. I don't know. Um, (laughs) But there I met Wolfgang Weingart.
2: Okay.
1: Yeah, he came seven years to the Summer Institute. As well as Dortea Hoffman two or three times. Oh. Um, we had quite a roster, and I think they're on, they're on our internet, of people that would come, teach a week, and so it would be three weeks together, uh, I mean, in a row, right. and different faculty each week and students from around the country. I wanted to build this pl- this professional program. Professionals could come and play with color with Deborah Sussman, <laughs> who had just done the thing. Yeah. I mean,
0: how fun is yeah, I think I saw. Um, I, I think I saw when I was looking at the this page. I know what you're talking about. I think I saw that one of the last years it was like Michael Rock and Susan Sellers, Ellie mm-hmm. Earls, right. and Ellen Lupton. I think all in the same summer. Oh, yeah, and
1: Lorraine Wilde was there. And Lucille, oh, that's what it was. Yeah, Rick Valcenti, They were all there one year.
0: Yeah, I was like, that is a that's it's like all the people that have influenced me the most <laughs> in one summer.
1: All there together. We were joking like, "Oh my God, what if this building blew up?" (laughs) There goes like, (laughs) yeah. So they were they were part of our transition group. So tort. So I had Weingart for like seven years that program, and then the best moments would be at the weekend at at our house at dinner time when they they'd Mm -hmm. overlap.
2: It's Mm -hmm. faculty.
1: And I said, and Melahammer was one of our last faculty members, the last couple of years, and he's uh, from Amsterdam, and his teaching just blew my mind. I could finally. Vejgaard was kind of like the Sears store, you know, the anchor. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh,
1: the ball. If I had, if Vejgaard would agree to come next next year, the next year, then I would build the program around that. Right. Uh, yeah. He was, you know, mixing that with mixing him with Cal Arts, Cranbrook. Dutch yeah Uh, you know I had to that's another that's another podcast so (laughs) okay uh, I had I went Vanguard stopped coming so I turned my sights to the Netherlands and uh because my husband was during this time went to Yale grad school okay and I met Carl Martens who was one of his teachers yeah um I was just you know the spouse trying to poach people for the summer, <laughs> summer, my little summer program up here in Maine. But yeah. Carl could come. He sent me to uh, Vicar Burma. Okay. And then I had Huff, and then I met Mela Homer. And then Mela, here the last couple years, and then ten he was here the 10th year of the Maine Summer Institute. Uh, the one that had, I think Elliot was there. Anyway, Remember standing in my kitchen holding a a big, you know, bouquet of kale from the garden. <laughs> I think of course I was in tears saying, I can't do this anymore. People are coming to study with these amazing people and they don't even know who they are. They just want college credit. Mm. Now I'm done. I'm done being a continuing ed administrator. Um, mm. even though I get a lot out of it. I I wanted to build something else. And I also knew that I had an amazing group of friends and colleagues that believed in this program or what it can be. Right. But I was still connected with Maine College of Art. And it's like, wait, could could we take this? Could I take this out? You know, could we? And Mela had the idea of we need to live together and cook together.
2: Yeah, in, I love that part. Yeah.
1: Part and I said, I want it to be that weekend at my house, the for a week.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So we brainstormed and uh, changed Maine Summer Institute into uh design inquiry. Which, if I remember, was on um, and I and I think he, Peter Hall, and I might have different stories on this, but what I do remember one third of the story <laughs> is um On the phone in my kitchen, you know, the phone being the kind with the curly cord hooked to the wall.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, Talking to uh, Paul Elliman. Okay. Who was also a teacher of uh, Charles's at Yale. So I got to know him and um, his family. But And just kind of like, what do you think about this kind of a program and where's the buy-in? And, you know, Mela came one time and we just went to New York and we met with everybody we could and tried to figure out, is is there a, is it, how important they helped us define what this could be in our sort of original mission statement and Paul said we're describing this to him in the most like complicated way as it is <laughs> uh and he said oh you mean like a like an inquiry it's just an inquiry mm. and
2: Mella
1: mm-hmm. uh, hung up the phone Mella, inquiry design inquiry <laughs> so that's my memory of it how that that so A lot of people were involved at the beginning, and then we wanted to take it out of Portland, and the college was going through some changes with the president, etc., and of course they were interested in um, us making some money, and I was getting paid to administer, and uh, Mel and I both were. We had two of them here in Portland, and then we said, uh, I went to the president and said, how about I take design inquiry away from, it's no longer affiliated with Maine College of Art. Um, hmm. And they said, okay, which I was yeah, uh, pleased and surprised. Yeah. Yeah. And then now we had zero dollars, zero to do anything. But I found this poor farm, literally, you know, a poor farm on Vinyl Haven where some of our MFA students had, um, had, some res- had bar- just rented the space, mm-hmm. and then I remember here Doug Scott came up, Peter Hall,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and Ron uh, Bodding was a, one of our original board members, and he's an actor, and he was involved in our earlier ones here in Portland, where we really embraced and learned about improvisation, and improvisation and design, and mm-hmm. group, you know groups, and really. Improv has been a really important tenet in both of my my, um, teaching, professional work, and design inquiry. So it was off and running. And then because I wasn't affiliated with Maine College of Art anymore, design inquiry wasn't, I really felt like I could invite others to be part of this, part of the organization,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, really to be – they were really important. Natalia Ilian was really important. Oh yeah. 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 yeah and Nancy, Nancy Skolos. Mm-hmm. Um, I had fantastic, wonderful. There's a list of people I'm forgetting that were really, really helpful with and supportive.
0: I find the, um, i i don't mean this word to sound derogatory in some way the, the utopian ideals of its founding uh-huh. to be very inspiring and even the way that you're talking about it now a lot of those core ideas seem like they're still a part of
2: right
0: what you're doing today has has inquiry? how has design inquiry changed over those you know 15 years or have the goals changed or uh, the type of people, how, how do you maintain that kind of core utopian ideals that you're talking about with just changing people, changing culture, uh, the design profession <laughs> itself completely different. How, how has that changed design inquiry? Uh,
1: that's a really good question. And that's something that we we always have our, try to have our finger on.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, right now we are a board of six we've had we've been a larger board and people have kind of come and gone i think on our website you know is mm-hmm. is that history but um it was about in uh i don't know four four or so years ago um really feeling like we needed to change it up because we could name to tuesday freak out <laughs> like wait right <laughs> yeah healthy. Yeah. We know what's going to happen. And uh, Anita Cooney, uh, uh, she's the Dean of Design at Pratt, is on the board. Mm. Oh, and yeah. And really instrumental in the last few years. She's been there um, every year. And Emily Luce is our president. Mm-hmm. Right. And has been for some time now. And she's really uh, ho- holding it down and moving it forward at the same time. Um, Gail Swanland has been really mm-hmm. instrumental. As well in our in our thinking to get these you know east and west Coast. but we are really I think what's really important is that we are a trusting, collaborative, uh, empathetic group to the board members, to our personalities, mm-hmm. as well as to what our talents are, um, and so we are continually reevaluating. So 4 or 5 years ago we had uh, we were at this sparrow farm the big barn and said okay it's it was too predictable
2: right you know yeah. I
1: and mean, the participants had a fantastic job a fantastic time and the everything happened as it could and can and it was inspiring and beautiful but at the end I know I felt like okay, it's beginning to feel like the end of the Maine Summer Institute. Mm -hmm. I've done this, I can predict, I need to back away and let some new people take over. But because we had this big show coming up, um, we focused on that and we downsized then and had a residency, a true residency uh, in just the poor farm. So I think 11 people Mm -hmm. um, came and just did their work. But then of course, oh boy, I sure miss the interaction that happens show no and tells and the will you help me with this and i need some thinking around that and here will you be in my you know makeshift camera obscura that i'm shooting through cardboard in the basement window yeah you know so that did, so the point is we change it up and you know as well as anything change the form make right. the book totally different size and double the page count you're gonna something's gonna happen so it's the same thing we change the the lock up right Right. and and see what see what happens and we continue to meet amazing amazing people that just keep showing up and willing to we had 15 people at our um uh install for the exhibition which was a residency in improvisation in itself Mm. um It's about the people. That's how it remains fresh. And then it's about the board having done this enough times to know what works and what doesn't, but it's possible your next question, your your question is how do we keep that all fresh and alive? Um, And we're at that transition. Yeah. So I think we're going to have some new board members. Um, Some of us are talking about that. We want to form a different kind of collective that is a little bit more Mm. um, projects specific and you know over a longer duration maybe not in residence right so the trick is to take what we've learned and shift it give it a huge elbow to the ribs
0: yeah yeah i love that i I love that um i have another question about that that that's might be might be kind of a, a weird question is it i'm wondering are there ways for people who maybe you know are unable to to take the week and, mm-hmm. and go do something like this and are there ways to kind of have these experiences whether they are communal whether it is kind of like you know living outside of the 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 grind of work to kind of reflect on the making process how how can someone who maybe can't go to design inquiry for for a week or 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 Mm -hmm. have that time are there ways to kind of get that feeling (laughs) you know what i mean or to kind of have, have a similar experience
1: yeah yes there are and um we have had design inquiries in marfa texas and detroit and berlin and bc canada and Montreal. And, uh, so there are these others that happen, but we also know there's a certain, uh, we always say we set the stage. That's our job mm-hmm. as, as framers. Um, and we know what those ingredients are. Uh, we even have what we call a recipe, which is like absolutely opposite of what we think of as design inquiry, a recipe. Um, yeah. so we're, uh, even our mission statement that we have printed out has all of our notes on the edge. Um, you know, I have a Google Doc. Oh, yeah. That inc- that's, those are included in our mission statement. It's always in process. But um, the key ingredients are, I guess, uh, as uh, Tricia Tracy and Arzu Oxel talk about, is suspending judgment mm-hmm. and showing up. Um, mm-hmm. But how you do, but another thing is that we've always learned is that we do our best work together and together is often got to be in the same
2: room. Right.
1: You know, there's something about washing dishes evening after evening, you know, with maybe someone you haven't met before. And that's where the conversation happens and the connections and the questions happen. Mm hmm. So it's not about, it's, it's the work of in-person that I think is important.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but there are certain things we know that can help make this happen. It's got to be hard to get to. You got to kind of not know what to expect. Yeah. Suspend judgment. You have to come with something you want to find out and something you know that you have to offer and be willing to be, as we say, on stage in the wings or in the audience at any given time. Hmm.
2: hmm.
1: So egos can stay at home. Right. But, but they usually do because it's not easy to get to these and we don't define what we are very well which is uh on purpose.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I actually think that that you've the fact that you've been able to kind of figure out the components of the recipe but keep it open like that mm-hmm. uh is a really interesting tension. Um, mm-hmm. and I think speaks to the board, speaks to the goals, speaks to the people um, mm-hmm. that participate, that you've been able to kind of find that that stage, um, but allow essentially anything <laughs> to happen right. on it, which, right. which I think is really admirable.
1: We do have this, what we call the not the schedule. And so um, people apply with, with an abstract of what they want to bring to the topic, why they want to come, things like that. And then we organize. Uh, everyone does a quick introduction or presentation um, specific to, again, the topic and their interest in it. Mm-hmm. Um, can't show student work or give any canned anything. It can be very Im- improvised. But we set then kind of the rhythm of the week, um, kind of front-loading with, with workshops and prompts um, and these introductions But then if you're, say, scheduled on Thursday, you probably will have changed everything by then. Right. I mean, it was interesting. uh, Two summers ago, our topic was rewrite. And the Vinyl Haven um, rewrite inquiry was very much about writing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Go figure, right? Mm -hmm. Which was kind of what we thought. Yeah. Rewrite and the topic was open. But then we had another one in the UK, in Devon. in August, and the rewrite topic became really about identity. Mm. Um, and so I was really taken how, oh, yeah, that's right. It's really about the people that show up. Yeah. And forms a kind of a collective, you know, zeitgeist around this topic. Um, so it's really just learning, you know, maybe it gets back to the photography, right? <laughs> just noticing... Yeah, being ready for the the moment. Yeah. And helping support that. That's really what it is.
0: Yeah, I love that. I also love how you brought this full circle because I have I had one final question Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, that -hmm. kind of connect, hopefully connects. All of this, and and you you did a nice transition there with your answer. Also, okay, good. Yeah,
2: uh, I looked at the clock too. Uh,
0: you know, you you mentioned very early on that that this conversation is happening at this transition. You're you're going on a sabbatical. The the show just closed. Uh, I I'm curious at this point in your life, what are you thinking about now? What's next for you? What are the the topics? uh or issues or or work that you're kind of excited about uh, going forward.
1: Well, that's an interesting loaded question. <laughs> the question is on the tip of the t- my tongue. Um, and it it reminds me of uh I always show this image old engraving to my students of the donkey and the carrot because mm. do you know that one? Yeah yeah, yeah,
0: I'm
1: yeah. you know, the donkey and the carrot. Because uh, a lot of them haven't heard it. And I say, if you can define the carrot, it'll keep you moving. You know, just the way the donkey I always thinks that that stick holding the carrot is like, oh, there's a carrot. Mm-hmm. Here I go. Mm-hmm. I need to define the carrot. Mm-hmm. And I know that the carrot is built with um, experience of um, bringing to light ideas. hmm I mean that's what we do, teaching, right? Mm-hmm. It's not art directing. It's trying to figure out right. how do you give that person a voice mm-hmm. to bring to light an idea that will be different next week and next week and next week. So it's about always about the role of the process. So I want to load, I want to load the carrot, the sabbatical, with what is it I'm interested in? What are the um, skills that I have and still want to work with? Um, I know that also design inquiry is shifting mm-hmm. and I want to pay a lot of attention to getting the next wave going, um, so that I can step away as I think many of our board members are ready to, mm. um, but it's a, it's already a, lo- a loaded, wonderful thing <laughs> that we we can hand over. Yeah. Uh, so what's next is to define what's uh, you know to more specifically I want to work in some time based I want to make some movies mm. um, I want to make some books that are probably mine the last um, uh, professional book I worked on was a Judy Glickman louder beyond the shadows oh, okay the Holocaust Danish exception. Our our Alice Design website hasn't been updated for ten years. Right? So
0: <laughs> yeah, I've, I noticed that. I wasn't going to talk about it.
1: Yeah, but. <laughs> we are the cobbler's kids who have no shoes. But uh, so this was a an aperture project, and it was okay. really great. I want to continue to find those Katie Holmans. This is this is called graphic design projects that. Mm-hmm. Luckily, in our professional, it's been really interesting. We actually did a project with Katie Homans Mm. a few years ago, too. Everything came full circle in terms of doing um, artist catalogs and museum books for photographers. Oh, wow. So I got to do that. I've been doing that. Um, So I have the goals, the hopes for design inquiry. Um, and then whatever this offshoot thing mm-hmm, can be, mm-hmm. because selfishly, I I need my people.
2: Right, right.
1: And um, I need my, my projects. Everything is a project is another aphorism that we use. <laughs> and uh, I want to learn how to tap dance.
0: Oh, okay. nice.
1: Yeah. And uh, my husband and I have taken up fencing about four years ago. So I want to get much better at that.
2: Oh, wow.
1: But I do feel like I need to take a moment to not culminate, but I think of it as maybe like the comma in the sentence. Yeah. You know, see what's next. Yeah. Refocus. Yeah. Yeah. I love so I was very clear, but I appreciate your question.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. I actually I actually I think even just your fir- the first part of your answer about just kind of defining the carrot I found uh uh Yeah uh, such a great way to think about it and and i just loved this whole conversation i find your work and the way you think about your work um incredibly inspiring and refreshing and i'm glad that we got to do this so thank you for being on the podcast
1: good Good. well thank you i really appreciate it like i said it's perfect timing because i i can i can make visual what i can't put into words Mm. but i love trying to go back and forth and think
0: yeah good that's what that's what this podcast is for so i'm glad it it worked for both of us this episode was recorded on december 16th 2019 our theme music is by Andy borgeson we're on twitter and instagram at surface podcast you can find us wherever you get your podcasts and at the thanks for listening